so today we're welcoming uh, Tina Sheridan. And uh, Tina, can we talk about your role today? Can you describe your role today? You know, what you do, what company are you working with? And, you know, what industry are you in? Sure. I am a corporate attorney reviewing commercial contracts for Cognizant, which is a global um, IT services provider. That's great. That's great. I've actually worked with Cognizant in the past, so uh, that's great to hear. And I know that as a uh, service provider, the contract amount must be pretty large given the amount of uh, uh, contracts and business that Cognizant does. So that's, I'm sure you're very busy. I am. I'm lucky though that I'm devoted just to the Microsoft technology. So oh, okay. it, it narrows my scope a little bit, but there is still a lot of business we're trying to do. So. Sure, sure. So how did you decide on, on this role? So it's a rather interesting path that got me here. Uh, I was in college from 95 to 99 and then law school through 2002. And at that time, technology was evolving mm -hmm. at a, a breakneck pace. And at the same time, the law was struggling to keep up with what was going on. And I, I'd known long before I went to college, I wanted to be an attorney. But when I saw what was going on in the tech industry, I knew I wanted to be part of that changing industry. Sure. And so I focused on technology and law in law school. And unfortunately timed my graduation with uh, a little downturn in the tech industry in 0203. And so I did a lot of other legal work in the intervening years. And finally in 2015, a small um, 70 person company in Washington DC was looking for their first attorney to be in-house. And so I got a, a job with this small company, knowing that they were planning to expand. And over the past six years, we went from 70 employees to 500 employees globally. And then we were purchased by Cognizant a year ago. And so it's just been a, a crazy, fun expansion journey with this company. That's great. You know, it's, it's interesting lately especially how law and technology are intersecting it's it's very interesting i'm seeing a lot of cios or vps of it or even directors of it are now reporting to chief legal officers at companies because really the 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 you know what they're spearheading and what they're in charge of is the data integrity you know intellectual property all the stuff that traditionally, you know, would lie in that area that legal is responsible for, you know, and IT is kind of the keeper, if you will, the gatekeeper of that data. So it's interesting to see that. Do you see a lot more of that now that, you know, or, or is it the same as when you got in, we just came around to it from a different vertical? No, I think it has definitely evolved. Part of it might be that my company has evolved over time but there's definitely a great deal more involvement throughout the company in what would have been predominantly legal issues in the past and sat in their own silo. So today, before we agree to say a 
cap on our liability for a data breach, we have a number of different departments that are weighing in on the risk and how we're mitigating those risks and what kind of controls we can put in it as a, a company for our customers' benefit and safekeeping their data and for our own benefit to protect us as a, a safekeeper of their data. Right. That that is that is um, the the thing everybody's talking about right now, right? Is how how safe is your data? You know, we hear it every day in the news, and and it's definitely something that we all should be thinking about. Uh, it's 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 a a, def, a different time in technology with that. It so, is, and the law is so different country to country as well. That that's a very uh, good uh, you know segue to when you think about the fact that how much you know from an international law now you need to you know to use and and think about when you're when you're approving you know contracts you're also working with attorneys internationally I would assume correct we are a lot of our companies are global and so when we're dealing with the uh, European clients we have to take into consideration GDPR and ensure that we're meeting those standards. Um, some of our countries are qualified to work under GDPR, some countries aren't. And so you have to think not only about the contract, but can you deliver under that contract based on the countries you're staffing from? Yeah, that's great. That's great. Thank you for that. That is definitely good information about GDPR and kind of how uh, it has changed, especially working in organizations with labor laws, because when you think about, you know, I, I did some work in Denmark and they have some of the strictest labor laws that are there. And uh, it's interesting to try to staff that particular, you know, project or program. Uh, you know, it's not for a lack of, of wanting to work or wanting to be involved in the project, but really, um, you know, they are very strict about enforcing the, the labor laws in those countries. Yes. Yeah. And we have to consider that when we're hiring, you know, our independent contractors mm -hmm. and our vendors to make sure that even if they're located in other countries, that they are um, contracted in a way that that allows us to use them in places like Denmark or um, other countries with strict labor laws. Right. So what matters to you most when you're thinking about the role that you would like or the role that you have right now? I like challenge. That really is what brought me to the company that I started with. And it's what keeps me going now in the middle of our, we're integrating into Cognizant at this time. Um, I like the excitement, the challenge, the fact that it's, it's constantly changing. Um, with the original company I was with, I was the only attorney. So I was the general counsel there and I had to know our insurance policies, I had to know our vendor contracts, I had to know our, our client contracts. Um, so there's just a lot of diving into different areas within the corporate legal system. And as we expanded and acquired other companies, learning how to integrate them into our corporate way of doing things. And now I'm on the other side of the table and I'm being incorporated into a bigger organization and there's just a lot of interesting problems that come up as you're going through it, learning that there are different ways of doing things and solving for that and finding which way is the best path forward. It's, it's, uh, it's kind of the world now, right? With mergers and acquisitions, you see so many of these companies coming together 
And you're really merging together, not only the company or the product, but you're also merging together the culture. And that sometimes is the biggest part that we're all trying to, you know, um, make work, right? And make everyone feel as if they're all one culture now when it was really two separate, completely different, you know, organizations or similar, but, you know, still had differences as, as you go along. Uh, I've done it many times. It's, it's definitely one of the most challenging uh, aspects of any, you know, career professional opportunity that you get. So it's, it's definitely up there as far as challenging. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But ultimately it's also a great time to you know, reevaluate what you're doing as a company and get rid of what's not working. Um, so if you can stomach the not knowing for a little while, ultimately you can end up in a much better place. Right, right. And you know, I think too, it's a, there's a freshness to it. There's something that says, you know, uh, maybe this will breathe some fresh air into what we're doing on both sides, you know, because now it's a, it's a different, you know, way of even, you know, when you're a smaller company and you're bought by a huge fish, you know, that can be really uh, hard to take. But when you start to think about it, you know, some of it can be that you're doing the same thing, but just at a different scale than you would as a, um, you know, as a larger company. So it, it's interesting. And I think that it takes um, a lot of patience and a lot of wanting to, to, to be part of the change. It's definitely, you know, a um, consuming, you know, career event. It definitely is. So many of us have to have changed our path or we've tried to do something different and we haven't really wanted, you know, to um, continue on in, in the, in a role at some point. Um, did you, do you feel that your career path has been always what you wanted to do or have been, had there been other things that you looked at? No. So where I am right now is where I did want to be when I was in law school, but because of the economy when I graduated, I've raised um, two sons. They're in uh, high school and college now. My career path has zigged and zagged all over the place uh, before finally getting in-house at a, a tech company, which was my dream job. I worked in real estate for a period of time um, before the housing market collapsed. And then I did a lot of consulting work. I went back into real estate for a few years working for a construction company and a landlord um, doing everything from contracting to evictions um, before the position opened up with um, the consulting company in DC. So um, it was not a straight path. I'm glad I took a lot of those jobs. I learned a lot of things about uh, things that were tangent to you know where I am today, working for a construction company, I had to learn about professional insurance. I needed to understand how that worked, which was great when I was managing insurance policies for a tech company as well. It, 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 I uh, find that most women respond to that question a lot like yourself where, you know, I did this and then I did that. And, you know, I was, I learned a lot from this role and I brought that forward into another role. And it's, it's, it's definitely something that we see uh, within, you know, the women that we've been interviewing. But what I feel is, uh, is hard sometimes for women is thinking that they needed to stay in that track that they should stay where they were. Like, you know, when you mentioned the two, you know, kind of 
financial crises that you actually navigated through, you know, one, you know, getting out of school and then the second one, you know, in your real estate career, it's, you know, the resilience that you need and, and kind of the confidence in yourself to stay, you know, in the zone, uh, that's very, very admirable. Good for you for really, uh, you know, kind of moving when you needed to move and, and staying, you know, where you needed to be because you knew that you could use it somewhere else later. Thank you. You're welcome. So what, when you think about obstacles in your career, um, you know, obviously you've had two major ones, right? With two major recessions, that's, that's not easy. But what else would you think was an obstacle in your career? I would say, especially, well, my oldest is 20 years old now, but 20 years ago, navigating the corporate workforce as a new mother was extremely challenging. Maternity leave was really frowned upon. The idea of any type of work um, home balance was pretty novel. The expectation was for men to work, women to stay home, having your spouse take time off uh, to help with any sort of um, you know, sick days with the children or doctor's appointments or any of that was unheard of back then. And so trying to navigate a professional life and maintain that professional life while still having a family and caring for them was very difficult. It's very encouraging to see now how corporations are treating um, child rearing amongst their employees and the number of companies I see now that offer generous paternity leave packages so that dad can stay home for a while and you can balance out your, you know, your time off around birth of baby or the fact that it's far more accepted for men in the workplace to take time off to care for their children when they're sick or to work from home. Um, one of the best parts of this pandemic has been being on conference calls with my male colleagues and seeing their children wandering through the call. It's, it's refreshing to see that men are stepping up with the childcare and that it's being accepted in the workplace. I couldn't agree more. That, that's a great, um, you know, kind of feedback on on women and how their role has changed and the acceptance of the mother, you know, image, like you're saying, the, the role of the mom in, in, in the workforce, you know, it's interesting. Um, you know, I had my daughter 17 years ago and um, I worked from home. I remember it was like eight to 10 weeks of, of maternity leave. And that was it. And now I, I kind of think, well, most of us have been on a 14 month maternity leave now with COVID, you know, right. and nothing, you know, and companies are chugging along and things are getting done. And I think that they, you know, that we've come to a spot where we understand that, you know, working from home can happen and it can happen successfully, you know? So, uh, you know, it's, it is great to see, and I, I couldn't agree with you more. No, I agree. The other question we ask uh, is, you know, when we think about, you know, our journey, and you've obviously had a very, uh, very dynamic and in a, in, a, in a very, you know, honestly impressive journey, you know, with your career and, and the ability for you, like I said, to change lanes, you know, as you went along, but what would you tell your younger self? I think I would have told her to relax a little bit more, <laughs> that it would work out. 
you now 20 years in the future, those economic downturns were hard, but they were recoverable, that there were opportunities to be gained from the detours that I took. Um, I think right out of school, the tendency is to just really, you wanna push into your career, you really wanna get established. Sometimes it doesn't happen right away uh, and it still works out. So not to be as hard on myself. That is great advice. That really is great advice, especially to young girls today. So speaking of young girls today, I think that, you know, what we think about is, you know, what you had said about relaxing and, and kind of, um, you know, it is a journey. It's not a race. You know, it, what would you, you know, what would be the biggest advice you would have to young girls? I would say to know what their ultimate end goal is and to keep that in their mind, but to not allow that to dominate their decisions, make decisions that fit where you are at that point in your life, knowing that that ultimate end goal is still there. That's, that's great. That really is great. And it, it ties right into what you would tell your own younger self. So that, that's great, to, you know, you're taking your own advice, which is great. Um, so what, if you had to boil your LinkedIn profile down to three words, what would you say? Uh, technology corporate counsel. I like it, I like it. Well, thank you, Tina, for being with us today. We do appreciate it. And uh, you know, we'll post this video and uh, some young lady or that's out there will we'll see this and be able to, you know, find out whether they want to be a technology corporate counsel. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure to speak with you.